Let's just pray again. Father, thank you for your love for us. Lord, thank you that you are our great God. Lord, thank you that nothing, nothing can separate us from your love. Lord, not anything that we've done. Lord, not anything that we are. Not angels, nor demons. Nor any person can stand between us and your love in Christ Jesus. We thank you for that. And Lord, as we look at these difficult topics this week and next week, I ask that you would help us, please. Help us to understand. Help us to, to go beyond understanding, Lord, and help us to, to apply what we learn to our lives. Give us wisdom, I pray. Holy Spirit, please speak through my lips. Amen. Do you know what's on TV tonight? Doctor Who. Yeah, exactly. Anyone here watch Doctor Who? Aliens. Okay, let's go. But you, you guys are a little bit older than. Who remembers the X Files? Ah, terrible. It's a horrible show, but it's all about aliens. Um, do you at least know Star Trek? Okay, there we go. Star. Star anything. You put star in something and you should know it. Are we alone in the universe? <laughs> you know, this is a question which, which has been asked time and time and time and time again. Um, are we alone in the universe? Can I just see who says yes, who says no? Who says, yes, we are alone in the universe? Well, I'm just asking a question right now. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> oh, you're too smart. Because the Bible says we're not alone in the universe. We're definitely not alone. Um, to be fair, the Bible doesn't say whether we're the only material creation, creatures. I don't know. C.S. Lewis theorizes that there could be God could have created animals in all sorts of other places. I don't know. I don't care. The Bible doesn't say anything. The Bible does say that the apex of all of God's creation is humanity. But that doesn't mean that we're alone. In fact, the psalmist says in Psalm 85 that, that we are a little bit lower. We were created slightly lower than the heavenly beings. Um, we are not the only intelligent life forms. There are these heavenly beings out there. And let's just, let's just quickly uh, just discuss uh, what they're not. Um, just another thing. A lot of people will come and say, you know, this is a weird idea. You Christians are whacked out. You think we're not alone in the universe and that there's these heavenly beings floating around? What is up with that? Well, what's up with that is that the Bible says that they're there. Um, Yes, we have not been able to scientifically and verifiably, repeatably prove that angels exist or that demons exist. Um, possibly because they are creatures who make decisions of their own. And so they're not going to sit there and go, right, every time they push that button, I'm going to go, bah! That, that's They're moral creatures. They don't do that. But just because we can't prove scientifically that they exist doesn't mean that they don't exist. Um, and there's a lot of people who have experienced 
the presence of angels and the presence of demons. Um, and what ties it down for me is that the Bible says that they're there, and so they are there. Um, and not only does the Bible say it, but it says it because people have experienced the presence of these heavenly beings. They're not aliens, though. They're not outer space aliens. Did you know that something like 2% of the American pop- Americans are weird? 2% of American population believe that they have been abducted by aliens. We're not talking about aliens when we talk about angels and demons. Um, a lot of people say, oh, aliens, and they come visit us, and, and, and angels must be a kind of alien, and they're so far advanced above us, and, and obviously we're just, oh, I mean, look at us, we, we still have bodies, and, and angels don't have bodies, and oh, they are, they're just, oh, angels. You go into some bookshops, and you go to Big W, they've got a whole section on this. And you can hear all about how to speak to your archangel Gabriel. And he will tell you everything that you need to know. Because obviously angels says, ooh, they're angels. So far above us. The Bible says quite clearly that, that angels are not above us. In fact, angels long to know the sort of things that we know. Um, angels, the, the psalmist says that we were made a little lower than the heavenly beings and that we are not there with God at the moment. But it also says, it also says that we are the apex of God's creation. When God created all things, and, and God created everything, so God created angels. When he created angels, he didn't say, wow, very good. In fact, the Bible doesn't even tell us about God creating angels. So unimportant are they um, in the grand scheme of things. So they're not aliens. What maybe, and, and I think in society this is maybe a common one. What we term angels are perhaps dead people. Um, people who haunt the earth as either good people, which are aliens, which, which are not aliens, which are angels, or bad people who are demons. And maybe this idea of if you have achieved your sense of spiritual or emotional or physical enlightenment, you become this being of pure energy and you become an alien. Alien. Angel. They both start with, I'm sorry, I was at a wedding last night and I had about five hours sleep last night, so I'm a little bit tired. And it sounds weird to think that there are these people who believe that, that there are dead ex-people who float around giving advice. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of similar to what, we, to what we hear about angels. So angels are there to comfort and encourage. And, and here we have dead people who are there to comfort and encourage. You know, if you turn on channel 74, and this is not an advertisement, don't do it. If you turn on channel 74, you can phone up the psychics live and interactive, and they will speak to a dead person for you. Or tell you your future. Um, angels are not ghosts. They're not human. They're, they're totally different from humans. In fact, Isaiah 7.19 is quite clear. It says, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, shouldn't you inquire of your God? 
Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Angels and humans are very different, and so a dead human doesn't become a live angel. That's not how it works. So what are angels? And let me just say, before I go any further, this is going to be a slightly different sermon today. Uh, We're we're going to be looking just a little bit at at this whole topic. We're going to be jumping around from passage to passage to passage. Um, And then we're going to finish with with a great passage, Colossians chapter 2. Bear with me, please. And, And if at any point you get lost, just throw your hand up and say, what are you talking about, Nick? Go back a step or three. Okay, let's, let's move on. What are angels? We've already said the Bible doesn't give us a, a DNA print of angels. It can't do that because they're not material beings. They, they are immaterial beings. They, they're spiritual beings. Uh, true, sometimes they can appear in, in material form, and we, we see this in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well. Uh, for example, the shepherds saw the angels announcing Jesus' birth. Um, the woman at the, at the tomb saw an angel telling them what was happening. Mary saw an angel. Lots of people see angels. Uh, Abraham sat down with, with the Lord and two angels. Uh, and they looked like normal people. But they're not. They're not material like we are. The Bible simply says to us that angels exist. They are, it's pretty clear, creatures of God. They're, they're not gods in their own right. They're not people that we should treat with such reverence and awe. And they do have, like us, powers of will and reason. We're going to come to that a little bit. They're moral creatures. Angels know right from wrong. They're not like a dog or a cat. Dogs slightly know right from wrong, but they don't make a conscious choice to do the wrong thing or to do the right thing. Angels are like us. They can choose to do right and they can choose to do wrong. And those that choose to do right, um, and let's just define doing right is living the way God made you to live. So those angels that live doing what God made them to do, there's one or two of them. There's like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of angels. Revelations just got, uh, about chapter 5 has got this wonderful image of of not only all of God's people stretched across eternity, standing there in heaven praising God, but there's this throng of angels, and it's a crowd too great to comprehend, and they're just going, wow, God, you're fantastic, woo! And it's not a human voice, it's an angel voice, so it sounds pretty impressive, I think. That would, I I can't wait to hear that. I hope you can't wait to hear that either. Um, And we'll just be joining in going, absolutely. What do they exist to do? What, what is the, why did God make angels? Well, God made angels. Their, their prime purpose is very similar to our prime purpose. Who can tell me why did God create us? To worship Him, to praise Him, to glorify His name. So what is angels? They're, they're the ones who praise God. They're the ones who serve God. Um, Revelations 4, 8, the, the four living creatures, and, and, and probably speaking about angels there, it's, they say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. This is, 
This is what they do. And it's not just a one-off song. This is, this is for all eternity. They're going, God, you're amazing. God, you're incredible. God, you're just, wow, God, you're God. And God's not stuck up because it's the truth. If it wasn't true, it would be a weird thing to do to create people to say that. But it's true, so it's not weird at all. What else do they do? Angels are there as servants of God. Again, like us, they, they are there to serve God. One of the things they do is they carry out God's divine judgment. So you remember at the Exodus, um, when the Israelites were inside and they would painted the lintels of their door uh, with the blood of the Passover lamb, and, and what passed through the, 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 the towns and the cities of Egypt was, was the angel of death. And here is the angel of God passing judgment. We see the same thing in Revelation chapter 9-ish, where we hear about a couple of angels are sent to release four other angels who are standing at the Euphrates River, and they go out, and what do they do? They, they inflict God's judgment on the world. When Jesus comes in Revelation, we're told again, He comes riding with a sword coming out of His mouth saying He's coming in judgment, but He comes with the angel hosts. They are there to serve God and to carry out His judgments. Angels are those who, who worship Jesus Christ, who is their Lord. Um, Hebrews chapter 1 says that, that when God brought His supreme Son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship Him. That's what they do. Angels worship God. And so when, when Jesus arrives, what do they do? They worship God. And, and we see that. We see them on the hillside and they're talking to shepherds and they can't even get halfway through the message saying Jesus is here and it's like only out of his breath and all the other angels just barge in and say right we're singing now glory to God in the highest like they they struggle to give that message it, it's kind of the impression you get yonder there good news to all men ah glory this is what they do it's, it's, it's them their thing uh, Luke 22 um, Luke chapter 4-ish, they, they minister to Jesus at various points. Uh, Matthew 28, when Jesus is risen, it's angels who go, Wow! What are you doing here, you silly people? He's alive! How much glorifying is that? How much praising is that to say He's alive? That, that's like the absolute praise of God to say He's alive. One of the problems that the early church suffered with in those days and, and it's still alive today in terms of Mormonism is, is thinking that angels are these exalted beings that should be worshipped. In fact, the Mormons will tell you if you speak to them at the door that Jesus is an angel whom God decided to give a special role to. Not the case at all, says the Bible. Um, go home today, read Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5 to 14. Let's just turn there quickly. Hebrews is near the end of the Bible. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5. It says, God has never said to the angels, you are my son, because today I have become your father. Neither has God said to any of them, I will be his father and he will be my son. And when God brings his firstborn son into the world, he commands all of his angels to worship him. 
And God says about His Son, you are God and you will rule as King forever. Your royal power brings about justice. You love justice and hated evil. And so I, your God, have chosen you. I appointed you and made you happier than any of your friends. Verse 10 onwards says, you're the one who made everything. Angels didn't make anything. God made everything. So, if the Mormons come to you and say, well, Jesus is an angel, and ask them, ask them about this. And then when they say, oh, yes, yes, he's an angel made specially. Say, well, what do you make of Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5 to 14, which says that he's not? In no uncertain terms does it say that Jesus is not an angel. Because, says Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5 to 14, Jesus is so much higher than the angels. He is God. He created the angels. And do you know what the really amazing thing from that is? Turn over quickly to to chapter 2. It says, we know in verse 5, we know that God did not put the future world under the power of angels. Somewhere in the scriptures, great quoting, someone says to God, What makes you care about us humans? Why are you concerned for weaklings such as we? You made us lower than the angels for a while, yet you've crowned us with glory and honor, and you've put everything under our power. God has put everything under our power and hasn't left anything out of our power, but we don't see it all under our power yet. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels because of God's wonderful kindness. Jesus died for everyone, and now that Jesus has suffered and died, He is crowned with glory and with honor. You see what's happening there? Not only is Jesus far above the angels, but you and I are far above the angels in Christ at the moment, and one day the angels will look up at us. You want to know something really, really scary? Well, I find it not scary, but Wow, I can't believe it. Have, have a turn quickly to 1 Corinthians um, chapter 6, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. It says, as if, isn't this obvious? Don't you know that we will judge angels? Did you know that you will judge angels? You know all these TV shows, like Touched by an Angel? I don't think it's on TV anymore. Do you remember Touched by an Angel? With all these... It's still on TV. Watch it because it's cringeworthy. (laughs) These angels come and they're all these pathetic little humans that they have to help along. Okay, yeah, angels do that. Angels are ministering servants sent to care for God's people. Hebrews tells us that, but... But if you're in Christ, then you are above the angels. You know what? The angels long to look into the mysteries of salvation. You know, if you know Jesus, you know God in a way that the angels don't. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? Angels serve us in God's behalf. Hebrews 1 verse 14 is where we see that. He says, angels are merely spirits sent to serve people who are going to be saved. How do they do that? How do they serve us? How do angels serve people? (laughs) 
Sometimes it's really clear and obvious, like when Mary got visited by an angel and said, Hoy, Mary, you're going you're gonna to have a baby. Sometimes it's obvious, like, I think it was Elisha or, was it Elisha or Elijah? I think it was Elisha. Horrible that the two people right next to each other have almost identical names. Elisha and his servant, and they're about to get attacked. And his servant, Gehazi, I think it is, comes to Elisha and says, Master, we're going to die. And Elisha's just sitting there cool as a cucumber and says, Lord, open his eyes. <laughs> and suddenly his eyes are opened and he sees this throng of angel warriors protecting them. Sometimes it's obvious like that. Sometimes, sometimes God's angels are, are clear. Um, sometimes it's, it's not so obvious at all. Another obvious one, they rescued Peter from jail. Although to Peter, that wasn't obvious at the time. He thought he was dreaming. It's only after the fact that he was like, oh, wow, yeah, it was an angel. Um, telling the woman that Jesus was alive, that was obvious. But, but have a look at what Hebrews 13. Hebrews has got a lot to say about angels. Hebrews 13, uh, 2 says to us that we should be sure to welcome strangers into our home, but... Because by doing this, some people have welcomed angels as guests without even knowing it. How angels work as God's servants to care for those who are coming to salvation is sometimes blindingly obvious, but I'm going to suggest most of the time it's not at all obvious at all. And because of that, one of the dangers is chasing after angels to look after me. Oh, my guardian angel is right there by my side. Maybe. Who cares about the angel? We should be caring about the one who gives him orders. The angel doesn't do anything without God say so. And God is pretty impressive in how he can do things. And maybe some people say, well, we're looking for guidance from spirit powers. Because that's our working definition of angels, isn't it, from Hebrews, that, that angels are spirits sent by God to guide and to care for people who are coming to salvation? Well, well what's wrong with astrology then? What's wrong with looking to, I don't know, the stars? What's, what's wrong with your horoscope? What's, surely you're just going for spiritual guidance? King Saul once thought to himself, well, if God's not going to answer me, I'll go to someone who will. Um, he thought he was about to get killed in a battle. Instead of going to ask God about it, he went and he, he found a witch, the witch, and I think it was the witch of Endor. And he said to her, yeah, yeah. bring Samuel up from the dead. The prophet Samuel. Where's Fran? Fran read a bit about old Samuel today. And you know what? If you're dealing with spiritual powers, in terms of those spiritual powers, you're not dealing with good spiritual powers, except in this one instance. Because <laughs> if you happen to get a good one, they're going to tick you off something awful. Because <laughs> he, gets, he gets the ghost of Samuel. And don't ask me how that works. I don't know how that works. It's a weird passage. But Samuel arrives there, and Samuel says, Oh, I saw you idiot. 
What are you doing talking to me? There's God. There's you. Goodbye. You're going to die. The fact is, if we look anywhere except to God for guidance, we're actually involved with idolatry. If we trust in angels to look after us, we're not trusting in God to look after us. God might use angels to look after us. God can do what He wants. But, but it's not about trusting the angel, it's about trusting God. There's a cartoon on the back of your bulletin today. It's quite a funny cartoon. I like this one. It's a little guy. He's got this mini demon on his back and he's running away. Get it off! Get it off! We've always got a comical thing of demons in our society these days, isn't it? This, this demon on my back. But you know what? Demons are real. Demons are... Well, they're angels. Demons are angels. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, demons are fallen angels. Um, remember, angels who do good are those who fulfill God's plans and purposes. They're moral creatures. They have a choice to make. Like us, they can choose to serve God or not. The, the angels, the good ones we call angels, they, they choose to, to fulfill God's plans for them. And there are others who say, get lost, God. I'll live my own life. I'll do my own thing. These are, these are the demons. They, they refuse to live as God instructs them to live. But the amazing thing is that God's still in charge over them, whether they like it or not, because God made them. He, but, but they deliberately choose that they will not obey Him voluntarily. Their, their goal is to advance sin in the world. Their, their job for Satan, the prince of demons, is to is to blind unbelievers to the truth of the gospel. They, they tempt us into sin. They, they incite persecution against the church. They're the enemies of humanity. Sometimes, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 says to us, they can masquerade as angels of light, pretend to be goody two-shoes, and, and when our back is turned, they stick a knife into it. The, the goal of, of the demons, of the bad angels, is to is to stop us living the way God wants us to live. They, that's their goal, to draw us away from God, to separate us from God. Do you know who Satan is? Satan, if we look at the story of Job, fascinating story. Um, Satan is, was actually a member of the heavenly court. He was an angel up there, and he had a job to do. And his job was to stand there and on God's behalf question our righteousness. God is perfectly holy, and so angels, uh, Satan's job was to go to God and say, God, you are perfectly holy. How can you stand in the presence of Nicholas? Or how can Nicholas stand in your presence? And, and in fact, you look at the beginning of Job, God says to, to Satan, Oi, oh, have a look at that bloke, Satan. And so Satan's job, Satan was the prosecutor. 
Satan's job is to go, oh, he's not that good, God. Look at where you are. Look at where he is. Oh, it's no good, God. That's his job. Was the right thing for him to be doing? It sounds weird, that, but, but that's the picture we get in the beginning of Job. But, but, but the horrible thing about Satan is that, that in, somewhere in his story he twisted, and instead of just being the prosecutor and delivering the facts to God, he started saying, well, I'm going to just do something naughty. Look, God! Oh, 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 look at that guy, God. Tempting us into sin. Like working up work for himself. And then when Jesus comes, uh, of course, the amazing thing is that, that his position changes forever. There's that wonderful passage after the 72, I think it's the 72 have come back from telling uh, the surrounding villages about Jesus. And Jesus says uh, in Luke chapter 10 that I have seen Satan fall from heaven. What does that mean? That means that he no longer has a place as prosecutor in the heavenly courts. His job is defunct because of Jesus. Because what do we, say, what do we know about Jesus? Well, Hebrews again tells us that we have uh, a great high priest who stands at the right hand of God interceding for us. So if Satan was the prosecutor, Jesus is the defender. We've already seen that Jesus is so much greater than angels. So if you've got the perfect defender, what good is a prosecutor? And so, of course, when Satan lost his job, it's a small step from from tempting people into sin, into going, wow, nuts to you, God. Becomes the enemy of God and takes a whole bunch of fallen angels with him. Satan doesn't make demons, by the way. Demons are fallen angels, just like Satan, who is their prince. They're the enemies of humanity. And what they do is to twist good into evil. Romans tells us that, that God created governments for the good of the people so that they would punish the wicked and praise the just, now, rewarding the good, Romans 13. And yet we see governments today where the wicked are praised and the righteous are punished. That's just... The demonic influence twisting the good to the bad. You know, even, even religious structures, even the church can be twisted. We, we see that in so many of the pastoral epistles. That what God made for good is twisted. And we see religious structures turn to legalism. Who here reads their Bible? Who reads their Bible every day? Good, because if you don't, you're going to burn. You see what I did there? It's great to read your Bible every day, but, but how easily can Satan just twist that in just a little bit and say, oh, because if you don't, God's going to be really unhappy with you. And then it goes from this joyous meeting with God and experiencing God to, oh, no, God's going to get me. 
pushing a little barrier between us and God, if he can. So what should we do? In this world, Satan is prince. At the moment. At the moment. The time is coming when Jesus is coming back and Satan will be done away with forever, thrown into the fiery lake, and all of his, his demons will go with him, and all those who follow after them and refuse to accept God will, will be punished. But, but, but right now, he is the ruler of this world. You know, there, there's two mistakes that we can make when it comes to the demonic. We can either give it too little credence, which is stupid because it exists, and the Bible's plain that it does, or, or we can give it too much power. You know what one of my favorite verses in the Bible is? Resist the devil. And he will stand and watch you for a few minutes. Now resist the devil and he runs. And he doesn't run because, oh, look at Nicholas. Wow, he's standing so tall today. Oh, resisting the devil. Now he looks at us and says, oh no. They're in Christ. He is God. He is above me. He is God. Ah! And they run. Every demon that saw Jesus says, what are you doing? Ah! Scream. And Jesus says, get out. And they, they get out. Satan holds sway over this world except where the gospel is proclaimed and except where Jesus stands because where Jesus is, there can be no opposition. None at all. You see, although Satan and his demons are very powerful, they've already been vanquished. They've already been beaten. They've already been humiliated. Jesus has won the greatest victory ever over all the powers of evil. And if we are in Him, then we share in that victory. If you are in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit of Christ living in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and God is a jealous God. And if God's got you, nobody else is getting you. God's also a gentle God. doesn't force us. And you know, sometimes we can we can play with fire and we can allow wedges to be driven in there just a little bit. Well, what does Romans say? Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Angels nor demons. <laughs> Nothing can separate us. And so if there's a wedge there, we just go, Father, I've let a wedge be put between you and me. Would you just drive it out? And do you know what? That's all it takes. You don't need to sprinkle holy water on your head. Just say, Father, you're the greatest. And say to the devil, I belong to Jesus. What are you doing here? You better run, mate. You better run. Have a look at Colossians. And we're going to finish on this. Colossians chapter 2. Uh, 
Uh, we'll start from about verse 6. We've accepted Christ Jesus as our Lord, and now keep on following Him. and Plant your roots in Christ, and let Him be the foundation of your life. Be strong in your faith, just as you were taught. Be, be strong. Don't, don't let Satan speak words against your faith. Don't let Satan tempt you. Don't let Satan tell you that you're not who you are in Christ. Be strong in your faith, just as you were taught, and be grateful, because God has set us free. Don't let anyone fool you by using senseless arguments. They may sound wise, but they're only human teachings, and they come from the powers of this world. They, they come from these, these spiritual powers of this world, not from Christ. God lives fully in Christ, and you are fully grown because you belong to Christ, who is over every power and authority. You see what he says there? Every power and authority, angel, demon, whatever, there's God, just above. Not just above, just way above. He's over every power and authority. He has taken away your selfish desires, just as circumcision removes flesh from the body. And you're probably like me, that you find a new one every day, and you have to keep saying, would you take that one away as well, please, Lord? Um, and when you were baptized, it was the same as being buried with Christ. And when you were raised to life, because you had faith in the power of God, who raised Christ from death. You were dead because you were sinful, and you were not God's people. But God let Christ make you alive when, you, when he forgave all of our sins. This is, this is the basic gospel. You believe, you accepted, you were baptized, you were made alive with Christ. You're in him. you in Christ. And, and if Christ is above all powers and authorities, and if we are in Christ, then we are above all powers and authorities. Not in ourselves, but in Christ. That's why when when the disciples came back from, from their little missionary journey and they came back to Jesus, just before he said he'd seen Satan fall from heaven, they said, wow, Lord, even the demons obey us. When we use your name, when we use your name, we have your authority. We are in you. God wiped out the charges that were against us for disobeying the law of Moses and he took them away and he nailed them to the cross. And there, this is the brilliant word, there Christ defeated all powers and all forces. And he let the whole world see them being led away as prisoners when he celebrated his victory. Christ defeated all powers and forces and he led them away as prisoners. humiliated them. He showed them up for what they were. In light of him, they are nothings. And just one final thing. You notice what it said there. Christ died to rid us of demons. Is that what it says? Christ died for sin. You know, our problem in this world is not angels or demons. Our problem is sin. Because it's when we sin and when we turn our backs on God that Satan turns around and says, oh, welcome over to our side. Let's get you really entrenched in this now. If you're in Christ, you're not a plaything for the forces and powers of this world. Greater is he that is within us than he that is within this world. And there's a promise to go home in.
Amen. Good point. And I had specially remembered something for that as well. I don't know where you guys are standing at the moment in terms of your relationship with God. I don't know if you've allowed a wedge to be driven between you and Him. I don't know if you have opened something there. You know what I I said earlier on, that God is a jealous God. And if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21, we read exactly this. He says there, uh, or verse 19, Paul's they're speaking about food sacrifice to idols. And in the Old Testament, we're told that idols, well, the actual thing is nothing, but behind it is a demonic force. Um, we read that in, I think it's Numbers. He says, am I saying that either the idols or the food sacrificed to them is anything at all? No, I'm not. That food is really sacrificed to demons and not to God. I don't want you to have anything to do with demons. You can't drink from the cup of demons and still drink from the Lord's cup. You can't eat at the table of demons and still eat at the Lord's table. We would make the Lord jealous if we did that. We aren't stronger than the Lord. Now, I'm working on the assumption that nobody here has last night gone and sacrificed and eaten at an idol. Maybe you have. I hope not. But you know what? We have so many idols in our lives. And and what I said earlier is that Satan can even twist something good for wrong. And so as we come to the Lord's Supper now, as we come to the cup and we come to the bread, I want us just to take a few moments and to say, Lord, if there has been a way where I have looked to anyone other than you for guidance, or I have allowed anything other than you to be absolute in my life, then I, in Jesus' name, command it to go. Let's pray right now. Lord, we all are sinners here. We are a people of unclean lips. And yet we know you. We've glimpsed something of your glory, the glory of the one and only. Lord, for the ways that we have allowed something anything other than you to have control or to have sway or influence, we hand it over. Lord, for, for our legalistic tendencies, which even if, I speak for myself here, Lord, even if doing the right thing drags me away from you, I hand that over. We hand that over. Lord, for the worries that threaten to to whisper to us that 
that you are not good and that you are not in charge and that we should be fearful of the future. We hand them over to you. And in your name, Jesus, we stand and we say, be gone. Lord, we are your children. Lord, we are your children. And there shall be no enemy that stands against your church for the gates of hell cannot prevail against us because you are God and you are strong. And you have defeated all powers and all authorities. And so, Lord, as we come to your cup and your bread today, Lord, we do not come as people who have been pure. We come as people who have not been pure. But we come knowing that you are a jealous God. And, Lord, we come saying, would you banish in your name and by your power anything which threatens to take your place in our lives? Satan, you've lost. Jesus, hold our hands. Amen. This is not magic bread. It will not make you strong to resist the evil one. Can I ask you gentlemen to hand it out? will not make you strong to resist the evil one by any merit of its own. But on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he broke it and he gave it to his friends and he said, this is my body. Broken for you. Broken that you could be forgiven. You remember last week in Habakkuk, we we heard about how God uses Satan's weapons against him, how Satan tried to break God, and he thought he succeeded. But instead, Satan's power was broken. That's what we're eating here. We're eating the fact that we are united with the one who has won. blood was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Because it is our sins that make us enemies of God. It is our sins which make us vulnerable. Oh, what joy, said David. Oh, what joy for the one whose sins are forgiven, whose iniquities the Lord does not count against him. We are in Christ, his life in us.
free to drink. You're free. You know what? We're usually so solemn at communion, but you're free. Yes. Can I have a smile from someone, please? <laughs> you're free. Thank you, Jesus, that you are stronger, that you are God, that you have given us freedom, and that we need fear no person, no power, no authority. Lord, thank you that you have angel realms whom you use to care for those who are coming to salvation. Lord, thank you that we know you even better than they. Lord, we know you far better than the demons. Lord, they are fearful of you, but your perfect love has driven out all of our fear, and so we love you. Thank you. Amen.